Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, a big part of a crypto project's success can be attributed to its tokenomics, a portmanteau of token and economics. Tokenomics is a catch-all for the elements that make a particular cryptocurrency valuable and interesting to investors. That includes everything from a token supply and how it's issued to things like what utility it actually has. The goal of tokenomic analysis is to understand the potential value of a D or decentralized finance project by considering all aspects of a token's creation and management, including supply, allocation, and distribution, of course. Now, today, DeFi is making its way into a wide variety of simple and complex financial transactions powered by decentralized apps called DApps or other programs called protocols. It can get kind of confusing. Lately, the Monetary Authority of Singapore has been contemplating imposing stricter rules on retail crypto investors, saying that cryptocurrencies are unsuitable for use as money, and they are highly hazardous for retail investors. So let's find out more. Let's speak with Danny Chong. He's co-founder of Tranches. It's a decentralized yield-enhancing asset tracker and BNB chain validator. How will all of this impact investors? How to protect investors? And if you want to invest, how you can do your own tokenomic analysis. Hi, Danny. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Marathi. Nice to be on the 89.3 FM with everyone here today. Right, Danny, for sure. And of course, this is a hot topic, isn't it? Just a few days ago, the Monetary Authority of Singapore said while it supports fintech in general and it partners with industry to explore distributed ledger technology and it supports innovation in digital asset use cases, it is contemplating imposing stricter rules on retail crypto investors. And it used some powerful language. It said it regards cryptocurrencies as unsuitable for use as money. They also said it's highly hazardous for retail investors. Where do you stand on these warnings? What do you think of them? So, Astri is a financial market, financial hub that has taken a long time to build out its current reputation and strength. You know, like a global equity market capitalization now is probably, say, around $120 trillion. While the whole of crypto market is probably about $1 trillion USD or under that in comparison. There's a lot more downside for Singapore and possibly the world if the convergence of blockchain and financial markets are not handled properly. I guess the catalyst for, in, in, for the imposing of stricter rules could be associated with the recent blowout of the Terra blockchain, you know, which wiped out almost 60 billion USD globally. Yep. Yeah, to sustain and keep in line, I guess, with our global de- developments, right, I, we would definitely need to keep up with what is happening in the crypto world. But whilst we're ensuring that the um, right ideas are developed, we have to be very um, cautious. Um, blockchains and cryptos are somewhat synonymous together, so and there are definitely innovations and development born out of this. I'm sure that, you know, like the uh, Singapore government and, and MAS definitely recognizes this and are working towards a more balanced approach to going in the industry. So whatever it has met out, I'm sure this, this thing can change and uh, there will be um, continuous like uh, uh, new kind of perspectives that's coming out. Mm. But here's the thing, if investors and retail investors in particular are constantly warned about this, chances are it won't really take off, will it? Well, there's a lot of ways to see how it has been growing positively, right? If Singapore is not doing somewhat the right thing or it's not 
a good place for blockchain and um, crypto technology. It definitely will not be attracting that many blockchain talents and institutions alike today. There's um, a lot of talents that's incoming and every week you can see um, new business or even um, our supporting um, certain growth on the releases of news that shows that, you know, like yet we have some new innovation coming up. So that definitely can be another angle that we see and observe as something Singapore must be doing right for everyone. Mm. I think we have to clarify that MAS says it is all for distributed ledger technology and blockchain, and it does support innovation in digital asset use cases. It's just about whether or not to invest in cryptocurrencies. That's the point of contention. Yes, it's true. But the thing is, we have also realized, for example, uh, they are somewhat synonymous together, as I've mentioned, I've mentioned before. You, you talk about without the coming of BTC, uh, there would not have been the development of Ethereum, and maybe you know the growth of blockchain would not have been as uh, fast growing or attracting as many attention and focus into what we see now in the current world. So, I, I, I do have to say that you know, like blockchain and crypto, although you know, like obviously I'm, I'm supportive of it, and, and a, a lot of the people, institutions, even regulators, are like they're supportive, supportive of it somewhat. It's still at its infancy stage. Hmm. So you can look at it as an industry at an experimental stage point. So if, you know, like uh, you let let everyday retail individuals take undue risk with crypto, be it from the lack of knowledge before entering or because they are not used to extreme volatility volatility and so on, it's kind of like not that good. I mean, I Hmm. imagine my, my mom and dad being asked to say, hey, you know, like you should look at crypto investment should try it out. I mean, I, I would definitely would, would be very cautious right. uh, of that. So I think it's natural to kind of look at it from the perspective that you need to be prudent and, and you know, like uh, perhaps let institutions take take it out and, you know, like uh, test it out fully before ensuring it is suitable for mass adoption to take place. Mm. Before we talk about tokenomics and how that can help, at this point, let's acknowledge that there are many detractors in the crypto space. They say crypto is more about speculation than investing. It is seriously risky. People like Warren Buffett have said, don't do it. What do you say to them? Well, everyone has their right to their own perspectives. Um, but we know that, you know, like perspectives can actually change with time. I don't think we need to be in a rush to conclude or to provide judgment calls uh, on innovation or whatever that's coming out. But perhaps like observing and seeing what can be built up over time. So like what I've said before, right, innovations may not always work out right from a risk, man- risk management perspective. So it's definitely prudent to proceed only if one feels like it and with mm. um, appropriate caution. What makes you um, personally so confident that this is a space that people should look into more seriously? Well, the thing is, there has been a lot of, um, oh, to be honest, when it first came out, uh, I come from a background of traditional finance. So I'm quite, you know, like uh, someone who practices strong risk management. And when the thing first came out, I don't feel that, first of all, I had enough knowledge, uh, education for me to actually dabble inside. And the thing is, it was a very um, small relative uh, market then. And small relative market is always associated with high volatility and, you know, like a a lack of liquidity in that sense. But the world today, right, you're definitely seeing it uh, a lot more um, kind of like many, many uh, examples of emergence of of the welcoming of blockchain and cryptos. 
some of them I agree with and, and some of them I don't as well. But if we have to check back in time, we look at um, El Salvador, you know, like adopting BTC as, you know, like um, part of their uh, currency system. Payment services like Visa, MasterCard and PayPal expanding their crypto capabilities and, and they're still continuing to invest uh, in, in a similar nature. Um, we see the likes of um, CNBs, Chicago Exchange, providing PTC futures and options. And I think most recently, uh, I, I see it as quite uh, maybe um, a, a big news in, in terms of the financial market um, entering into crypto. It's um, Fidelity and also BlackRock investing into USDC or into Circle, the company. Those are very strong kind of like examples or actually you can see that the world is actually going towards adopting it and believing it more and more every day. I think I share what they see as well. And mm. with all this coming out, I think we converge towards a more uh, central focus that, you know, like this is probably something that will work out in time. Okay, let's talk about some advice perhaps for the investor. How can they do their own tokenomic analysis in formed a fashion as possible? So if you have to consider into tokenomics, I always say that, you know, like uh, any uh, things before you look at, you should always do your own homework. You should read up and never just invest simply because someone tells you crypto is offering very attractive returns. I guess that's investment rule 101, but something definitely useful to be reminded of time and again. So if, you know, like uh, be, be, before you even look at, um, I would say, investing into um, kind of like the right token, uh, you perhaps want to explore also first uh, what type of intermediary that you're investing the cryptocurrency uh, through. Um, you need to basically look at whether it's a sound or big centralized exchange, uh, whether it's uh, through decentralized um, finance framework or even through other mediums. Now, when you actually look through exactly like the kind of cryptocurrency that you want to look into, you should perhaps understand the nature of the token and what it represents. For example, if you look at Ethereum, you know, like uh, there are some things that you can know that it's the origination of some blockchain network. It represents top two in terms of market capitalization and it has future pipelines that's uh, even now the talk of town, right? Um, uh, Ethereum merch is, yeah. uh, is coming through now in, um, well, let me see, in, a, in maybe a week's time. Yeah. So, so those are kind of like the important thing that you should be looking at. And there are other tokens. If you're looking at, for example, um, protocol tokens, you need to look at uh, what the token represents as well, whether they're backed by um, legitimate investors and also whether there's a real business around um, this kind of a token or the protocol that is trying to deliver. Mm. So there are obviously risks to every investment and there are risks to all of this as well, right? Yes, for sure. What are the critical factors that investors must consider as they look at all the elements that are actually pointing towards this field thriving, even in the Singapore environment? Is there perhaps a quick checklist? Um, well, I would say that it's not going to be a um, complete checklist per se. Um, mm. But when you look at protocols and tokenomics, you should definitely, first of all, as I say, look at what the protocol represents. You need to understand what is it about. I guess a quick way that you can also access whether that protocol is of a good um, pedigree is to look at who is investing 
into um, the protocol, whether they are well-known venture, uh, venture capital names or you know who is actually involved. You obviously need to do your own uh, KYC, looking into uh, who are the founding members of the protocol, uh, of the DeFi protocol. You need to look at whether they have done uh, security audits. Uh, actually, security audits are very important for DeFi, so definitely something that everyone should look at as priority when they look at uh, whether to go into uh, the DeFi safely. Mm. So with, with also how DeFi has been actually changing and the emergence of like the fact that people realize now some tokenomics are just not working out. Uh, it has been, uh, there has been a focus move into whether the protocol can deliver um, positive revenue streams or growing revenue streams instead of like just uh, always uh, depending on token emissions mm. um, to be given out as you. Uh, I think last but not least, right, transparency uh, of the protocol in terms of how they review themselves, uh, pipelines, how they are planning to move um, certain um, decisions, how they are actually um, planning to launch on other chains or basically anything, any pipelines in mind. The clearer they are, the further they plan. I think the more you can see that they have a sound team behind uh, actually building a proper protocol. Mm. Danny, the other thing is with environmental concerns, usually at the top of the agenda of a lot of investors these days, we yeah. should note that there have been some valid concerns around cryptocurrencies in this regard. The White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, in fact, just warned that cryptocurrency mining operations could hinder the country's ability to mitigate climate change. Crypto operations in the US apparently now consume as much energy as all home computers or all residential lighting and Bitcoin, the most popular cryptocurrency, is wedded to a proof of work system, although Ether is moving to a proof of stake system that may not require as much energy. But the concerns are certainly valid, right? Um, I would say definitely you'll want to be more bothered or this definitely stands if you are still talking about a proof of work system mm. where you know like complicated puzzles are set up to deter. Um, malicious intent or hackers uh, instead of like doing actual delivery of data. So in that sense, that's where the bulk of energy is going towards solving this puzzle in proof of work. Now, if we have to look at uh, even if Ethereum POW from before, it's already 12 to 15 times lesser than that of Bitcoin POW mining. And when we actually move into POS, uh, kind of after the merge, it definitely is even a further reduction. Now, just just in comparison, before now currently on the POW, it's running at 84,000 watt per hour. After a POS, when it goes into full POS, it's going to be running at 35 watt per hour. That represents actually a reduced carbon footprint and you reduce actually up to 99.95% of energy. So definitely in terms of the major sticking points for regulators, developers, and users, right? The environmental impact is brought to a minimum. Mm. So I, I see huge acceptance and support from mainstream and institutional alike. Now, bearing the downsides and risks generally in mind, what is really the future here, Danny? I think we will continue to see institutions uh, pouring into uh, the crypto space. I think they have the right management people and tools to also uh, help um, bolster and develop kind of like what we see already as a good growth in crypto and DeFi. There's going to be a convergence between the world of DeFi and what we see as uh, finance today. 
And I think there's going to be a lot of new innovation that is coming out. And this could uh, automate um, the process uh, as we see today, even in finance. One very clear aspect of what we can see is the cost reduction that blockchains will bring about being decentralized. Uh, there's also other things such as transparency, which is going to be obvious. I think a lot of people would think, used to think that, you know, like uh, DeFi, there's a lot of things that I don't know mm. about the protocol and stuff, but this is subjected to each and individual protocol. But the fact that the protocol is actually on a blockchain, uh, all the transactions are being uh, listed out. Actually, it provides the big data for regulators or for any institutions or actually for anyone to find out like what has exactly been done or what's been traded, what's been going on to each wallet to be actually uh, retrieved at an instance. And it's, it's very transparent. In fact, now if you have to follow um, the traditional uh, financial system, there's a lot of reporting, uh, manual reporting from institutions to regulators. But if everyone is on blockchain, uh, this, is, this is all instant, um, recognizable, retrievable by the regulators or anyone who wants to see the data. All right. Thank you very much for that, Danny. Danny Chung, co-founder of Tranches. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.